Welcome to The Greatest Showman, the second part of our Summer at the Movies trilogy. Last week we had great fun looking at The Lord of the Rings, and this week I'm really excited to bring to you a message about The Greatest Showman. Now, The Greatest Showman is a slightly newer movie than Lord of the Rings, and from speaking to a few people over the last few weeks, I realized that not everyone has seen it. Even I'm speaking to some people in the break, they said, oh, I hadn't seen the movie, but I want to warn you, that's okay. No prior knowledge of The Greatest Showman is needed. And actually, I think some of you may recognize the clips, or two of the three clips at least, partially, because two of the three clips that we're going to look at are actually songs from the movie. Because if you have no knowledge of The Greatest Showman, you should know it is a musical. <laughs> and now this is where my next line is happening in the first service as well. I'm slightly nervous. I don't normally like musicals. <laughs> I don't normally do musicals. Like La La Land. Has anyone seen La La Land? No. Bad. I was like, what's happened? I want that like three or four, five hours, however long it was. It felt very long. I want that time of my life back. I did not like La La Land. But The Greatest Showman... I love it. It's great. It bucks the trend for me with musicals because the songs in The Greatest Showman are just brilliant. They're so full of life. They're so full of energy. Put that, song, that CD on or that soundtrack on in the car and I am singing away. Or actually with my voice, it's more like shouting away. But those songs are just full of life and they're so uplifting. And actually reminds me a lot of the Bible because the Bible is full of great songs. There's songs scattered throughout the Bible but actually, there's one book, which is 150 songs, the book of Psalms. We may read them now and see them all as poetry, but they're intended to be songs. And actually, some of them we sing in more contemporary ways, or you'll see in certain songs that we sing a, a line or two from the Psalms. And the Psalms are great because they declare what God has done, and they declare what God will do. Because we, as we just heard, he would do it again. His faithfulness endures through all generations. So if God has done it before, he can do it. Again, So we read the Psalms and we're reminded in Psalm 23 that God is with us in the darkest valleys. We read the Psalms and we're reminded that we're knitted together in our mother's womb, Psalm 139. We're just reminded over and over again of the promises of God, his great faithfulness. So today as we look at the greatest showman and some of the songs from it, we're going to look at one of the songs from the Bible, Psalm 18. Now, I'm not going to have time to read the whole of Psalm 18 to you. I'm just going to read a few verses, 16 to 19. And just a quick note, you may have noticed you didn't get any preaching notes as, as you came in, but don't worry, you didn't miss that. There wasn't any notes this week, but you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, I really encourage you to get that, not just because of the events that we have in there so you can follow along and see the points and get some questions for your connect groups, but also because it's the Bible in your pocket. It's a great resource to have in all translations, in all languages. You can download it so it's there for you whenever you need it, the Word of God right there in your pocket. So I encourage you to get that app. It's a really great app. It's free, the YouVersion Bible app. But if you do have it, you can head to the events section and you can see uh, the message that we're going to be talking about today. You can follow along there. But back to Psalm 18. Psalm 18 is really interesting for a number of reasons, but one of those is that it's actually in the Bible twice. This song is in the Bible twice. It's in the book of Psalms, Psalm 18, but it's also in the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 22, chapter 22. And when we see it in 2 Samuel 22, it's titled David's Song of Praise. And David is King David of Israel, writing this at the time of being King David. 
And if we look at David's life and we see that he's King David writing this song, and we look at David's early life and see that he was chosen by God at an early age and anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king, we might be mistaken in thinking, okay, so David's life, he was chosen early, he was anointed, and then now here he is king, so everything must have been plain sailing for David. But any look at David's life will tell you that is not the case. Because he was chosen and anointed, he was chased out of his homeland. The previous king wanted to kill him. He's had to live in the territory of his enemies for many years, watching his back constantly on the run, constantly in fear. And even when he makes it back to Israel and he becomes king, he fulfills the, promise, the prophecy that was over him. He then makes mistakes of his own reckoning. And he has grave consequences to those mistakes, some real hardships for his family. And David's family is actually more unbelievable than any Hollywood movie. I'm convinced if you pitch the script of David's life to a Hollywood producer, they would just laugh you out of the room. It's full of crazy stories, times of despair, times of being alone, times of isolation, times of just David not knowing where to turn. But he writes this psalm, Psalm 18, reflecting on what God has done, reflecting on how even in those moments, in those darkest moments, when he was alone, when he had nobody else, God never let him down. David's song of praise declares that God never let him down. And so this is Psalm 18, 16 to 19. It's going to come up on the screen so you can follow along. 16 to 19. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy. From my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And today, the message that I want to bring, the topic I want to share on, is three words wide open space. David speaks in verse 19 of spacious places a place of liberty, a place of freedom, a place with room to grow and create. Wide open space. We're really lucky here at C3 for a number of reasons, but one of them is that we have a few American air bases nearby, which means we get <laughs> a constant supply of guys like Logan who come and join the family, come and be part of everything that's going on here at C3. And we love our American family here. Yeah, come on, let's give it up for our American family. As some of you would say, we love y'all. Um, <laughs> We love them. But the sad thing is that they're normally just kind of loaned to us for a year or maybe two, three, if we're really lucky. And so the time comes for the sad goodbyes. And in a few months' time, we'll be saying goodbye to some of our closest friends personally. And they're heading back to the States in a few months. And they came as just a couple, but they go back with two young girls. And we're really going to miss them when they go back. But a few months ago, they gave us a gift to kind of remind us of their time here. And they gave us a tree, like a tree sapling in a jam jar. And they said, you can plant this tree in your garden, and it will grow into a, a huge tree, and it will be a reminder of our time together, a reminder of us when we were here. So we were like, thank you, guys. That's such an amazing gift. But when they gave it to us, they said, what you need to do, though, is plant it, because it's in this jam jar, and it's starting, to, it's starting to outgrow it. It's starting to get to the edge of the space that it's got. So you need to plant it. This was a few months ago that they gave it to us. And my confession today is that we haven't actually planted it. And so it's still in this jam jar, and this poor tree is, if it's not dead already, it's very, very close to being on its last legs. But the reason I tell this story is because there was nothing wrong with the tree they gave us. It was a perfectly healthy tree, and it could have been that giant tree that was envisaged that had all that potential. 
But because it wasn't taken out of that jam jar, out of those close surroundings, out of the walls that surrounded it, and put into an open space, put into the garden where it had space to grow and, and reach its potential, it stopped its, reaching, it stopped reaching its potential, but also it started to die because it's been restricted. The life has been taken out of it. It needs a wide open space, wide open space. So today's message is about how we can take our lives out of the metaphorical jam jar and into the wide open space. And when we're there, how we can then go and help others get their lives out of the jam jar and into the wide open space. I see now some of you are starting to worry. We're now nearly 10 minutes in and we haven't seen any clips from The Greatest Showman. I promise you we are talking about The Greatest Showman today. We're actually going to see a clip in a moment. But this clip is about 20 minutes into the film and just want to catch you up quickly where we've got to. So this movie is about P.T. Barnum primarily and the show that he creates. And the first 20 minutes of the movie are a story, a kind of whirlwind of him growing up in 19th century New York as a simple tailor's boy struggling actually to survive, living on the streets, not having really anything. And he grows up and he gets married and he has two young girls. And he wants to provide a better life for them than, than the one that he had. He dreams of having success and fame and fortune so he can provide a great life for his family. But he's really struggling. And actually we see early in the film he loses his job. And then in slightly shady circumstances as he loses his job, he manages to secure a loan to buy a museum, to buy Barnum's, or what he names Barnum's American Museum. And he thinks that this museum is his ticket to fame and fortune, his ticket to success. He thinks people are going to flock to this museum and he is going to have the success that he dreamed of. But the problem for him is that nobody is coming. Nobody's interested in this museum of wax figures. People will find it boring. People are not interested. But fortunately for Barnum, his daughters, he's got two young daughters, and they have an idea. And that is what we're going to see now. So the big idea is to make this museum not about these wax figures with no life, but to make it a show. To make it a show starring people like Charles, a show starring people who are in the shadows. So he goes and he finds Charles and he finds others who are living in the shadows, outcast by society, who are hiding behind walls, who have isolated and surrounded themselves. But what these walls of isolation have done for Charles and others like him is not just keep them safe, but they've also limited any impact and influence that they can have. So P.T. Barnum goes to them and he calls them out. He says, I believe you have ability. I believe you have talent. I believe you have something to offer, something that can influence people, something that can have an impact. And he draws them out. But what it takes to draw people like Charles out from the shadows, as we see, is somebody who goes to them and believes in them. And that reminds me of David in Psalm 18 when he writes, He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. David is reflecting back on when he was in the deep waters, when he was in the pit of despair, when he had nobody, when he was in isolation. He says that is when God reached down and took hold of him. God didn't wait for David to climb out of the deep waters. God didn't wait for David to come and find him. God went to David because God believed in David. And I want to say today, God believes in you. The way God believed in David, he believes in you. He believes in the impact and influence that you can have in this world. He does. He believes in you. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are created for good works prepared in advance by God. Good works prepared in advance by God. 
And the writer of Ephesians, Paul, he doesn't tell us exactly what these good works are. But if Jesus taught us anything while we were here, while he was here, he taught us to love. He taught us to be known by our love, to be those who love our friends, love our family, love our neighbor, love even our enemies. So these good works, they're going to involve loving people. And we can't do that if we're in isolation. We need to get out into the wide open spaces where we can impact people, where we can love people. And these good works, they're created by an eternal God. So I think these good works, they can have an eternal impact. These works can have an eternal impact. So we must get out of whatever situation and circumstance that's trying to keep us penned in and stop our influence. And we need to get out into the wide open spaces. We need to understand that God believes in us and God is calling us out. And we get out into the wide open spaces of God's grace. God is calling you to be an influencer. God is calling you to impact the world. And I believe when we step out, when we say, okay, God, I'm going to believe in you as you've believed in me and I'm going to step out. When we get out into those wide open spaces, we can have an impact. And when we do, when we get there, that is when we will truly come alive. So come alive. So this is a great moment for these guys who've been hiding in the shadows. They've been hiding away, but now they've come alive. They've got out onto that show. And how good must that have felt for them to have that standing ovation, that applause from the crowd? They must have been a great moment, a real high moment for them. Maybe we should just end the movie there and end the preach right there and just all go away on that high note. But no, that's not quite how movies work, is it? We have the ups, but then we have the downs. If we'd rolled on like maybe 10 or 20 seconds, we would have seen an angry mob outside shouting and hurling abuse at them, straight from the high of the standing ovation to the low of being abused and shouted at. And it's not just Hollywood movies that are about highs and lows and ups and downs. That's how life is, right? It's a cliche but it's true. Life is a journey. Well, my second point today is good news because God journeys with you. God journeys with you. He doesn't just believe in you and call you out and then walk away. He journeys with you. He's on the journey with you. Verse 19 of Psalm 18 says, he brought me out into a spacious place. He brought me out. There's an action there. God is bringing David out. He journeyed with him. Perhaps David's most famous psalm is Psalm 23, when David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God leads you. He guides you. He walks with you. God didn't join David in those deep waters. God didn't just join David surrounded by his enemies and just stay there. He brought him out. He journeyed with David. And David is declaring in Psalm 23 that even in the darkest despair, he didn't fear. And why didn't he fear? Because God was with him. David understood that God was with him. And God is with you. God journeys with you. He leads you and guides you. He journeys with you. And having somebody to guide you, having somebody to be with you on the journey, I think it's really important. Because if we don't, we might be inclined to give up. When we get to those darkest moments and those deepest valleys, if there's no one with us, we might be inclined to give up. A few years ago, I signed up to do a London to Paris bike ride. 275 miles in four days. 
And the joke was after training and preparing at the start line, I thought I was ready. I thought I could do this. I thought I had it sorted. But about a day and a half in and not even halfway through the miles and I was completely dead. I was just completely done. I just wanted to fall off my bike and have the support van pick me up and just drive me the rest of the way to Paris. And I think if I was on my own, I m that might just have happened. But see, I was cycling in a group. And although I was way behind the main group and I couldn't quite keep pace with them, and there was two guys who stayed with me. They stayed back with me. No matter how far I fell behind, they stayed back with me. And the thing with cycling is if somebody can cycle in front of you, they can make life much easier for you because they can take the hit of the win and they can create a bit of a slipstream for you and they can make it physically easier for you. And then they can be alongside you and they can encourage you, they can talk to you, they can believe in you, they can remind you, hey, Brad, you have trained for this, you can do this. They can remind you that, you know, that you've got it in you. They reminded me, they stayed with me, no matter how far back I fell. It was a real encouragement to me in those moments. You know, they couldn't turn the pedals for me. I had to do that myself. I had to keep, you know, turning the pedals, keep churning. But they did everything they could to support me. They had no obligation to. They would have been much easier for them because they were doing much more hard work trying to lead me. They could have just been with the pack and been coasting ahead of front. But they stayed with me. They journeyed with me because they believed that I could make it. And it's the same with God. That's a picture of how Jesus journeys with us. Because he doesn't have to stay with us. He has no obligation to stay with us, but he does because he believes in us. He loves us and he wants to journey with us. Not out of, not out of needing to an obligation, but he wants to because he believes in you. And my last point is maybe another reason why I believe Jesus will journey with us and stay with us no matter the situation and circumstance. Because God delights in you. Jesus delights in you. Psalm 18, 19 says, He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. David paints a picture here that God doesn't just delight in the King David on the throne ruling. God delighted in David when he was in the pit of despair, when he was in a cave on his own, when he'd lost everything. God delighted in him then. God delighted in David who was surrounded by deep waters. That's when God chose to say he delighted in him and he came to rescue him. So no matter where you find yourself today, no matter how isolated you feel, no matter how much of a mess you think you might have made of things, God delights in you. God delights in you. That is when God delights in you and he stays delighting in you. And what's interesting to me when we look at the greatest showman is these guys like Charles and the others who came out of the shadows and performed is that it didn't take uh, the classic movie montage of a few months' time for them to train and rehearse and prepare. They were just ready to go because they had that talent in them. It was there. And I believe there's some people here today who you have that talent in you and God is just trying to call it out of you now because he delights in you as you are right now. And he's calling you out. And then, we, didn't, we won't get a chance to see all this, but these guys get to go on a world tour. They draw huge crowds because as they step out, they grow in their influence. They grow in their potential. They reach all of their potential. And the same is true of us. When we step out of the shadows, when we come and we choose to believe God's words over us, when we choose to understand that he believes in us and delights in us, we grow into all he's created us to be. We grow into the talents and gifts that he's placed in you. They're in you right now. You have them right now, but God is calling you out because he delights in you. Just like God rescued David, he wants to rescue us. Do you know, he sent his son Jesus on the greatest rescue mission of all time. 
And when Jesus was here, his words are recorded for us in John 10 when he says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Yeah, come on. That's exciting, guys. Life to the full. And life to the full is not lived in the shadows. Life to the full is not lived in isolation. Life to the full is lived in the wide open space of God's grace. Yes, the thief will come and he'll try all his tricks to steal your joy, to rob your joy, to put up barricades, to push you back. Maybe even as you leave here today, there'll be a voice in the back of your head, the enemy trying to say to you, oh, that message wasn't for you. That wasn't about you. It was about the person sitting next to you. No, it's for you. God is calling you out. Do not believe the devil's lie. He has no power over your life. Jesus has won the victory on the cross and it is finished. Come on. We can live in the freedom that Jesus set us free for. We can live in the wide open spaces of his grace. Because ultimately, as God believes in you, he wants you to believe in him. And when you believe in him, when you understand that you're his child and that he's created you to be exactly who you are, you can stand strong against the enemy's tactics. And you can say, no, not today. Not today, devil. I'm standing strong on what God has created me to be. You might not be perfect, but when the world comes at you, when the enemy comes at you and tries to bring you down, you can stand strong and say, I serve a God who created me to be me. I serve a God who created me perfectly, exactly as I am. So when opposition comes, we can stand in the face of it and say, this is me. This is me. I want to encourage some people today that you need to step out of the shadows. You need to step out of isolation and step into all God has created you to be. Maybe you need to start believing these words over yourself, believing that God believes in you, believe that God delights in you. Maybe you need to wake up in the morning and look in the mirror every morning and say, God believes in me. God journeys with me. God is with me. God delights in me. Be you because nobody else can. Be you because nobody else can get on with the good works that God has created you for. The band are going to play a song over us now, and it's a song called Wide Open Space. And this song has a line that says, call me out into all I can be. Call me out into all I can be. And I'd love that to be our prayer as we leave today. God, call me out into all I can be. Call me out into the wide open spaces where I can be all that you created me to be. Because if we step out into the wide open space that God created us for, and we start getting on with the good works that he created us for, and we start loving people like that, we will impact our lives, our friends, our family, this city, maybe this nation. Hey, maybe why not the world? But something even more important than that, we will impact eternity. When we step out into all God is calling us to be, we will impact eternity. So my heart is that that is our prayer as we leave today. God, call me out into all I can be.